Hi, this is Raquel from California, and you're listening to the Amazing Seller Podcast. Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 384, and today we're going to be talking about some top tax mistakes to avoid and also how to run your Amazon business correctly. And we're going to be doing this with my good friend and my CPA, Josh Bowerly. He's going to be joining us here shortly. And uh, yeah, it was a great conversation that we had. We really dug into a lot of the things that he's been seeing uh, Amazon and not just Amazon, but private labelers making because you guys know your business is not just dependent on Amazon and it's not just running on Amazon. Maybe you may be selling on your own website. You might be selling on Walmart or any other platform. All of these principles, all of these mistakes that we're going to be talking about and also some of these best practices can be used in any online e-commerce business. And uh, I wanted to invite my friend on Josh because, well, he knows a thing or two about this and it's been a little while since we've had him on. Plus, he just got done with the tax season, so he's kind of like fresh as far as like, you know, some of these things that he sees that are mistakes and this way here we can also address these and fix these for anyone right now that's currently running their own business or that's starting their own business. Now, there is one tool that I'm going to mention, and I normally don't mention tools here in the beginning, but I'm going to today because this is the tool that I've been using, and uh, it's really made my, uh, my life a lot easier, and that is Fetcher. All right, now Fetcher is a bookkeeping and an accounting, really a, a whole suite of tools for your accounting and your bookkeeping, and you're going to hear Josh talk about how important that is. Until I was using that particular software, I was just using a spreadsheet. And, you know, I used to say, well, you can do that and you can, but man, oh man, is it so much easier now that Fetcher is here and it's also super affordable. I'm going to give you guys the link to that now and I'll probably give it to you guys later, but that can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash Fetcher. Yes, that is a shameless plug for Fetcher, but I'm a believer in it. I use it every single day and Greg Mercer, I know him personally, good guy, good company. Go check that out for a 30 day trial and uh, you can go ahead and test this thing out and see for yourself. It makes your life super, super easy. Now, today's show notes can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash 384, and then also the transcripts and all that fun stuff over there as well. You're probably going to want to download this one. He goes over some really, really good, good tips, but also some best practices and really how to run a solid business. So this way here, you're not caught off by surprise. All right, guys. So I'm going to stop talking now so you guys can enjoy this conversation that I had with my good friend, my CPA, Mr. Josh Bowerly. Enjoy. Well, hey, Josh, what's up, man? It is, uh, it's, it's been a while, man. How are you doing? I'm good, man. It has been a while. It's been a whole tax season, which man. is like a lifetime. Yeah. Well, we, we, we did touch base a little bit to, you know, to have you tell me how much I, I had to send in and all that fun stuff, <laughs> but that wasn't like a, a, like one of our like, Hey, what's been going on kind of phone calls, uh, or Skype calls. But, uh, but yeah, man, I, I, I know you've been busy and always in tax season. I'm always like, you know, I'm not going to bother them now because I know you're swamped. Uh, so, uh, after that, we kind of touch base a little bit. And I said, you know what, we got to get you back on. We got to give some updates. Uh, I, I know that you're working with more FBA sellers now and private labelers. So, you know, give me a little bit of like what's been happening since tax season. Yeah. So we had a, a big tax season. We did almost 500 returns this year. Wow. And a good chunk of those were Amazon sellers in general and an e-commerce seller. So nice. 
we're definitely getting to know the industry more and uh, seeing what people are doing right, what people are doing wrong and, and, and trying to help people move forward with it. Yeah. And I think that's what I do want to dive into is really like, you know, what people are doing right, but also more importantly, what are people doing wrong that they can fix? Right. right. I mean, that that way there we can kind of prevent that from uh, from happening. Um, so maybe you can just kind of dive in there. We'll just kind of dive into, uh, you know, what are some of the things that people need to be aware of, um, whether you're just starting or if you're already up and running and you're like, OK, now I got to start to take this thing a little bit more serious. Sure. Yeah. And uh, these are all things that, that we've kind of talked about before on this podcast, but we're just going to dive deeper. And sure. I mean, people still could be listening to this to the first time. Maybe you need to hear it three times before it sinks in. So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Let's, 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 let's look at them all. So th- the first thing is still bookkeeping. Okay. I mean, this is the number one most important part of your tax and accounting picture mm-hmm. because nothing else can happen if you don't have this bookkeeping in place. Right. I can't do the taxes properly. You can't make sure you're getting all the right deductions. You can't file sales tax. Nothing works without this bookkeeping. Okay. And I, I, I used to be a, say like, if you, it, it's okay, just use a spreadsheet if you have to, mm-hmm. I'm kind of throwing that advice out. Like you need to get accounting software if, if you're okay. serious about this business. Okay. And, and there's free ones out there, right? I, I think you still use wave, right? Well, I did up until about probably, I'm going to say about five, six months now. Now I'm using Fetcher, okay. uh, which Fetcher is based, uh, is really built for the FBA seller. Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, it does all it's, you know, Greg Mercer, a good friend of mine who also, uh, you know, they, they, uh, created jungle scout and splitly and good friend of mine. And, uh, it's, it's a phenomenal software. And I gotta be honest with you, Josh, it's made my workload so much easier with wave. It works really good. But now that I'm really, again, when you're in physical products, it's different than if it's just a digital product or even just a few physical products. When, when you get more than that, I was basically going into my Amazon account figuring out how many units sold, and then I was figuring out what that cost was, and then I'd have to input that into the Wave app, and, yep. you know, you can, you know, you do it, you know, I mean, sit down for an hour or so, and, you know, you can plug in those numbers, but you still had to plug them in. Now what I'm doing is I'm just going in, pulling the report, and it tells me exactly the units sold, it gives me the whole breakdown, how much it costs, pay-per-click, everything, so all I got to do now is spit that out and send it to you. Like that's Perfect. Even, yeah. even better. Yeah. 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 It's so. really, really good. But I mean, I know there's some other ones too. I mean, I mean, are you still a fan of like QuickBooks or FreshBooks or like what, what's, what's one that you see people make or uh, that, that are using right now? I, I know there's another one zero. Um, which yep. ones are you seeing FBA sellers using? You know, a, a good one for FBA is zero. Okay. Um, that, that, that's it. That, that works with a lot of tools that, that FBA sellers use. It works with the A2X. So that okay. a, A2X and zero is still the number one combination we, we're seeing high end Amazon sellers use. Okay. Um, so that, that's a good one. Uh, it, it, it is going to cost you some money that the zero is going to be anywhere between 20 and 40 bucks a month, depending what package you go with. Yep. Um, A2X obviously has its own fees. I don't, I don't know what they are offhand. I'd guess less than 50 a month. So there's, there's all kinds of tools and there's a learning curve there, certainly. But once you learn this stuff, it's going to make your life so much easier. Mm. If, if you're someone that's still sitting here using a spreadsheet or not doing it at all, like you're just you're getting to tax time and you're digging through all these receipts and you're looking through your bank statements and you're trying to piece things together. Mm. If you get this accounting software, it's going to sync right up with those business bank accounts, yeah. with those business credit cards, with Amazon directly, whatever you're using, it's going to sync up with and it's going to pull those transactions in. So you don't have to sit there and do that at year end or monthly or however often you're doing it. Mm. And there will still be some work, right? I'm sure you still have some work sure, on, on, on your you got to go in there and tell it what it's for. So yeah. if you go spend $50 at Walmart, you got to go tell them it was, yeah. it was paper for your printer, whatever it is. Right. But you're not manually writing out every single transaction. Exactly. So 
you, you I, I mean, this is the point I'm telling people, even if you're just getting started, you have to use some type of accounting software. Mm-hmm. If there are free ones out there, you used Wave for a while, yep. right? And it was yeah. free. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, it did the job. I mean, it, oh, it, yeah. it had more work, but it did the job. And yeah. it, it gave great reports. It's what we use for your taxes That's for it. a few years. That's it. That's so, it. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, Wave is to me, it's very similar to uh, to QuickBooks, except it's yep. a cloud-based. I mean, I know QuickBooks has their cloud-based now too. It's the same thing. It does sync up with bank accounts, all that stuff. I did find this though, a little side note here is when I was playing around with trying to sync up my PayPal to uh, to Wave or even QuickBooks, I tried them all. It was not working. Like okay. it was a pain in the butt. And I think I reached out to you and you go, yeah, that's one downfall with PayPal payments is yep. it, it, everything doesn't sync up 100%. So um, rather than get into all of that, I mean, uh, that was a little bit of a challenge. So those are some things that you may, de- may need to manual input and not rely on in PayPal because my fear was it's going to miss something. Yep. And now I'm screwed. Yeah. Right. Not now. Yeah, what do you do? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And it, it, what's funny is, I mean, you'd think PayPal would be the best of all because they're you would. strictly online bank. But yeah, for whatever reason, they, with all bookkeeping systems, there's there's been issues with PayPal. So definitely be careful there. Um, but I mean, l- l- we'll go through some tiers here. Sure. If, if you're just getting started, you don't have that cash flow yet. Twenty dollars a month, thirty dollars a month. It, it, it seems like a stretch because there's not money coming in. Go with Wave. Find a free app, but yep. use accounting software still. Yep. Once you're starting to see some cash flow, once you're starting to make a little money, go a little bit more high end. Go with zero, whatever it is, and find one you like. Find one that you can work with and go with that. And my final recommendation there: once you get to the point where you are making good money in it and you don't want to deal with it and you want to make sure it's right, start looking at outsourcing it. Yeah. There's, there's companies out there that can do it. I mean, it, it depends on how many transactions you have coming in and out, but it could range from 150 to 400 bucks a month. Yep. If you're making serious money, it trust me, it's, it's worth it. So you, yeah. you'll get your money back in time and making sure it's accurate. Yeah. And I, I think even going back to like the 20 or $40 a month, I think Fetcher is like less than, it's less than uh, $25 a month for the basic. Yeah. And also with the other thing I like with Fetcher too, just to kind of throw it out there, um, is it will sync up to more than just one account. So right now I'm working with three different brands I'm partnered with. So because of that, I'm able to, to kind of feed those into the same app. And then I can just say, okay, I can click on a button and say, I just want to see things with brand one. Then I want to see things with brand two. And it really goes off of, off of um, the amount of SKUs that you're, you're pumping into that account. Um, so that's the cool thing with Fetcher. With the, and I, I think they have a 30-day free trial. So um, I'll just throw, throw my little uh, shameless plug in there, theamazingseller.com forward slash Fetcher. Um, they got a free 30-day trial too. But I think just even if you're just starting, like you said, it's so important to at least get something in place. And if you want to use Wave, that's what I used for, gosh, first almost two years. Um, but it was just manually inputting them. But I, I agree with you. I mean, just to have a spreadsheet of the, you know, the, the P&L is, is going to save you so much time. Um, and it's going to be cleaner. So yeah, yep, exactly. yeah, totally agree. Cool. Yeah. So one last note on the bookkeeping, and this is the, the number one principle when it comes to bookkeeping, everything else we talk about will be based on this principle. You have to have separate accounts for your business and yes. personal. Yes. Um, and I mean, I ran into that so many times this year and it's especially when people are in their first year, they don't know whether they're going to really hit it hard or not. All of a sudden it gets bigger than they think and they're still running everything out of their personal accounts. Or maybe they have a little bit of separate accounts, but they're running some personal out of the business and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Like this, 
This is so big. If you don't listen to anything else on this podcast, go today, go tomorrow, as soon as you can, open up a business account that is used strictly for your Amazon business. Open up a credit card that is used strictly for your Amazon business. Do not mix business and personal. You, you may have a transaction here or there that's mixed, but very, very few should be being mixed with your business and personal. That, that's actually really good advice. Uh, and I think even just moving forward too, you know, whether you start your business with an LLC or, uh, you know, whichever, you know, sole proprietor, whatever it is, doesn't really matter. You, you should have that, that business checking account. So easy to do too, by the way. I mean, yep. literally, I mean, just get an EIN number, register for the, for, for your, your checking account and then everything is clean. And then, uh, and then from there you can start again, being to me like above board, like you want to have everything in place and that's definitely where it starts. I mean, I have a brand right now. We haven't even really fully like started to launch products in, but we know that we're going to in the future. We've already created that checking account. It's sitting there. Like there's no money yep. in it right now, but it's there. So you guys can all, you can do it. Usually they're, they're free within, you know, your bank. If you have some type of a balance, even in, with another account. Um, so just look into that, get that done. I think that's, yeah, a huge, huge piece of advice there for sure. Yep. And even one, one step further on that, if, if for whatever reason you can't get it in your business name yet, you don't, you don't have your entity set up, you don't have an EIN, just go get a separate one in your personal name that is used strictly for Perfect. the business. Yeah, no, so, great, great, great. So there's no, there's no excuses. <laughs> that's what we're basically exactly. saying, yeah. right, Josh? Just yeah, get another exactly. account that's not tied to your personal stuff, even if it's just you as a sole proprietor. Yep, exactly. Cool. Minimum a, a, a checking account and a credit card. Also consider PayPal, whatever other tools you use, but minimum checking account and credit cards used solely for business. Now, now, what about this though, really quickly? And I know you and I had this conversation about me personally was like, what if your business is so brand new, you can't get a credit card? Yeah, exactly. And that's the same thing as I said with the checking account. Yep. Just get it in your personal name. Just just use so. it for only purchases with the other. That way it shows that those purchases are coming in through that business. Even though it's in your name, it's only used for that part of the business. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, and a lot of times they'll still let you, even if your business has no credit history yet, they'll still let you get a business credit card as long as you personally are backing it. So kind try like that. Co-signing for your business in a sense. Right. Yeah. But, but worst case scenario, just get a new credit card in your personal name that again is used strictly for business. Yep. And that was the advice you gave me. So perfect. Yep. Cool. cool. So yeah, that's bookkeeping. Okay. If you haven't done it yet, get those separate accounts and then go get some type of software that's going to link up to those accounts. And let's, Huge let's, support. let's just really touch on that really quickly though. So what should be in that bookkeeping? You know what I mean? Like what should we be keeping track of? Yeah. So obviously the, the, the number one thing is your income. You want to know what is coming in from your business. Sure. Um, and actually that depends how deep we want to go here, but Amazon gets interesting here because if you're doing Amazon FBA, you're not necessarily getting 100% of your sales, right? Exactly. Because Amazon's taking their portion. Yeah. But where it gets interesting with taxes is the IRS wants to know exactly what hundred percent of your sales were. Mm. So it's not good enough to just say, Okay, well, what hit my bank account was a hundred thousand dollars. Right. They want to know I made you made one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and Amazon took fifty thousand of that. Exactly. Right. So that's why bookkeeping is so important because because you do have to monitor that stuff, and that's why you want to use software that that is works with Amazon because right. you have to you have to know what these numbers are. Now, so yeah, I mean, it, my my best advice there is to get software that's going to link with that. I know Zero does. I'm sure Fetcher does as yep, well. Yep. And yep. That, that's what A2X does, I believe, as well, and can and it can work with uh, different bookkeeping software. But that is that's a great point. The 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 gross sales has to be recorded, and then those Amazon fees get recorded separately as expenses. Now, how deep do you and I I, I know the answer myself, but I'm asking you because I know that that's people will probably be asking this. 
how deep do you go with all of the breakdowns of the Amazon fees? Because there's not just one fee. It's like you have an FBA fee, you have a pick and pack fee, you have an advertising fee. Um, you have all of those little ones. You might even have like, uh, you know, a, you know, they they uh, they had a, a refund come in. Um, uh, there could be an additional fee for storage. Like, how deep do you have to itemize that, or is it good enough just to say Amazon FBA fees is X? You know, uh, so I've seen it done both ways, um, and I've—I'll say I've never had the IRS question whether when you call it all F- Amazon FBA fees. Mm-hmm. So I—I I don't have a problem with that. A, a, a lot of people, though, once they really start getting going in this, they do track that separately for their own purposes. Mm-hmm. So they want to know what they're taking. But as far as taxes. I, I have not seen a problem to date with with just calling everything Amazon FBA fees. Yeah, it, it's a fee. It's just a deduction we're, we're taking out or, you know, we're taking out of there. Um, the only thing I do separate, I mean, I have all that stuff broken down in Fetcher anyway. It does it all for you. But when I put it in a line item or whatever, if I was to say, here's the breakdown, Amazon FBA fees or, or Amazon fees would be that. But my sponsored product ads would be something completely different because it's an advertising fee. Um, that's just me. I like to see yep. that on the lines. And that's what I give you when I submit my stuff. Yeah, advertising's a big one, and the other thing I would say is refunds. If you can break those out separately, that's, yep. that's a big one. Yeah, and so. then and then so the other expense that always comes in here, and this is I know something you're probably going to talk about anyway, is your product cost. Yeah, exactly. And that's a that's a big one, big, right? That's a mistake. Yep, it, there's a mistake yep. there, right? <laughs> there is. There's, there's, All right, let's uh, talk about it. Yep. So inventory when yeah. it comes to Amazon sales. Yep. And this throws people for a loop every time when they're just, I've actually had people doing this for five years that were doing their own taxes and never wow. had any idea they were doing it wrong. Wow. Okay. So the first thing to understand is you probably do, but I've had people not understand sure. this part is the inventory is a deduction. Yeah. Meaning what you paid for that product is a deduction. Yep. If you go buy a $10 widget and you sell it for $20, you get taxed on that $10 difference. Okay. Yes. So a $10 purchase price is a deduction. However, unlike with most expenses with inventory, it is not a deduction until you actually sell it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this, this throws people for a loop oh, yeah. because if I, if you go, if you go purchase $10,000 worth of advertising costs, the IRS doesn't say, Whoa, wait a minute. Where, how much of that advertising costs actually helped you in 2017? Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. You paid $10,000 for advertising. It's a $10,000 expense. If you go buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of inventory and by the end of the year, you've only sold 50,000 of it. You only get to deduct $50,000 of that inventory. Yes. The other 50,000 carries over to the next year, assuming it's sold next year. Right. So right. this, this is a big one. And it's big because a lot of people think they're using it as a tax strategy. They get to December 25th. They've had a good year and they say, man, I need to reduce that taxable income. I need inventory anyways. I'm going to go buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of inventory. And since it's the end of the year, almost none of it gets sold by year end and they find out they don't get a tax deduction for it. And now they've used up all their cash and don't have the money to pay these taxes they weren't expecting. That's a big one right there. So I want to really highlight that. you know, and actually, when I first started in the physical product world, that's kind of what I thought. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to go ahead and invest in my business, and I'm going to buy some inventory. Now, I didn't do it. I asked my accountant at the time. wasn't you at the time. It was like three years ago. Uh, but and, and I said, I said, you know, I'm looking to, uh, you know, January 1st is coming up. I'm going to, you know, buy some things for the business because I know that I can get a deduction, and that's fine. I'll buy a new computer, whatever. But the inventory does not work that way because it hasn't been sold yet. So again, guys, listen to what Josh is saying there. You cannot buy inventory and then use that all as a deduction until the item has been sold. 
So if you buy $100,000 worth and you only sold $50,000, you're only deducting the $50,000. The other $50,000 will carry over until you sell it, whether it's this year, next year, the year after. It's like inventory on the shelf. That's basically how how that works. So yeah, that's a big one. That, that's a, a, a huge one for people to understand is the your inventory and and you know using that as a deduction. Yeah, absolutely. So for your books, there's there's really three numbers you want to know to make sure you're getting this right. You need to know what the value of your inventory on hand was at the beginning of the year. Meaning, if you had fifty thousand dollars unsold on December thirty first, your beginning inventory is fifty thousand dollars. Yep. You need to know how much you purchased in inventory during the year. So if you went and bought another $50,000 worth of inventory, the purchase is 50000 And then you need to know what's on hand at the end of the year. And if you can get those three numbers, your bookkeeping, your CPA, whatever, whatever route you're going with that, they can figure out your actual cost of goods sold and what your actual deduction is. Yeah. Yeah. No. And again, I mean, the si- simple way to, to think about that even too is like, and, and I know you kind of like, you need to know what your begin- beginning number was to know what you sold, right? So it's kind of like, you have to know those numbers in order to kind of get those. But if you're just starting, you're starting from nothing, then yep. it's, it's pretty simple, right? I mean, yeah. like you sold, you know, you sold uh, 3,000 units, how much did those 3,000 units cost? That's what you're deducting the next round or whatever, you know, like, I'm, and we're doing, I'm doing quarterly taxes. Does everyone have to do quarterly taxes? Let's, let's talk about that really quickly. Um, yeah. Cause a lot of people ask me, they go, well, why can I just do it once a year? Why are we doing quarterly taxes? When do we have to do quarterly taxes? Maybe you can just touch on that real quick. Yep. So what the IRS says is if you are going to owe more than $1,000 at the end of the year, they expect you to pay that in quarterly estimates. Okay. Okay. And people get intimidated by quarterly they, they, everyone wants to call them quarterly filings and they mm-hmm. think they're filing a tax return every quarter. And that's not what it is. It's, it's super simple. All it is is saying, I'm going to owe $10,000 at the end of the year. So I'm going to pay $2,500 each quarter, yes. whatever it is. You're just writing a check, sending it in with a voucher or as Scott recently learned, you can do it <laughs> online. <laughs> well, I knew that. I just didn't feel comfortable doing that. And you were busting my chops. You're like, oh, okay. Well, how old are you again? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's starting to show because uh, I, I still wanted to write a check. I don't know. There's something about writing a check, going to the post office, making sure that they, you know, they put their little, uh, you know, stamp on it that said it was postmarked and that whole thing. I just been doing it that way for years. Um, and then you're like, we can do that online. You know, all you got to do is give me your info and we'll actually have it there like in no time. I'm like, all right, let's do it. So, uh, yeah. So hooray for, for Scott being able to go out there and do a, (laughs) an online tax return now. Well, not the tax return, the actual filing of the quarterly. I've always done the other ones, uh, electronically, but, uh, but yeah, we just, we just did our, our last one and, uh, it went through really well. It was great. Uh, (laughs) Super easy when you do it that way. Checks fine too. If, if, if you, if you want to go back to 1980, whatever, (laughs) But, uh, but no, the, the, with the estimates, it, they, the IRS does expect you to do it if you're going to owe a thousand dollars or yeah, more, which most of and you the, are, you know, right. so if, if your business is profitable, you're going to owe more than a thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the hard part is there's several factors at play here because I'm sure a lot of people have other jobs or their spouse has a job. A uh, good point. So, yeah. so they have withholdings on the, on that income. So, and it's, it's all one big picture. So the thing you need to understand is your business isn't going to owe taxes. It's you personally that's going to owe the taxes and it's one lump sum picture. So you take your job income, your spouse's job income, your business income, all your various deductions, they all add up together and then you determine how much you're going to owe. So that can get pretty confusing. Yeah. So there is an easy way to do estimates. What they say is you can base it on the prior year instead of what you're going to owe the next year. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's two ways to go about estimates. There's two different goals. One is I just want to follow the IRS rules and avoid the penalty. 
Yep. If that's you, it's very simple. You're going to base it off 100% of what you owed last year, unless you made over 150000 in which case it's 110% of what you owed last mm-hmm. year. Okay, so look at your tax return last year. You see the line that you owed $10,000. If that's you and you made less than $150,000, all you have to do is pay $2,500 each quarter. You, you meet the IRS requirement. If you owe additional amount at the end of the year, you just pay it then, no penalties. If, if you overpaid, you made less this year, they'll send you a refund. That's all it is, super simple, all right? And whoever pe- prepares your tax return can give you all four vouchers at that time, tell you exactly when to pay them, online check, whatever. That's the simple way to do it. It's actually what we did with my daughter um, the year before. Right. Um, you helped us out there and you, you kind of looked at her because she was you know under 150,000. So you're like, let's go ahead and just set this up and, um, and it worked out fine. So yeah, um, I, that's actually a good tip though for anyone that's listening that didn't know that. Uh, basically, uh, what you're saying, Josh, is it as long as you look at the number the year before, and uh, and you said go to 110 percent. If you're over 150,000. Oh, if you're over 150. Okay, yeah. so if you're under that, just go 100 percent. Divide that by four. That will be your quarterly tax. And as long as you do that, you will not be penalized, even if you hit uh, a bigger number. Yeah, even if you owed $100,000, as okay. long as you paid that 10000 in, there's no penalty. That's actually a big tip. That, that's good. Yep. I like that. Yep. Okay. Especially if you're just getting started. That, that's the way to do it. Right? Okay. Just make sure you're still setting aside money if you're going to owe more so you're not caught off guard. But yeah, you'll avoid penalty. And the okay, second, let, let, yeah, let, me, let, me, let me ask you this, though, really quickly, because I do this myself personally. You know I'm, I'm pretty, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty uh, strict on this. I, I like to know each quarter like where I'm at so that at the end of the year, I'm not going to get hit with a huge, like, so I, I always like during my, my quarters, I'm always kind of like going through with my rough numbers. And then that's where I'll send it off to, to you, my CPA. And that will actually go, okay, Scott, you're close, but we're going to send in this because if I can get it really close, then at the end of the year, I don't have to, to, uh, to be surprised with, oh my gosh, I've got to owe this. So I'm always taking money from my, my net that I made and I'm basing it off of the percentage that you tell me, oh, well, you, you know, you could be 30%. So take 30% of, of your, your net that you think that you're going to have, and then we'll send that in. And then that's kind of always kind of like moving, but that I like that because then I know at the end of the year, what I'm left with is kind of what I'm left with. I'm not surprised with, oh my gosh, I owe $20,000. So I'm, I'm a big stickler about taking my numbers and then taking some money out, setting it to the side, and then using that as my money when I, when I call you and say, hey, where am I? You know, this is what I got. You know, did, did we get close? Yep, exactly. So that's, that's why there's two goals here. The, the first goal for people who just want to avoid the penalty, keep it simple and go that route. Yep. Just pay last year's. The second goal is I want to come as close to paying what I'm going to owe as possible throughout the year. Yep. So I don't have to worry about that at the end of tax season. Yep. That's what you described. Yep. That's where every quarter, and this is where bookkeeping comes into play. Every totally. quarter, you're going to pull up those bookkeeping reports. You're going to look at your net income. And hopefully you're working with a CPA and you can talk to him and say, hey, uh, this for quarter one, I my net income was fifty thousand dollars. He'll run through some scenarios with you. He'll look at anything else you have going on and say, OK, I want you to pay X amount in. Mm. And for, for quarter one and quarter two, it's it's a little bit of a guess because it, it, it's a total picture. So you don't sure. know what the second half of the year is going to look like. But you're still getting fairly close quarter three and especially quarter four. We can narrow it in and say, OK, this is exactly what you're going to owe come April 15th. This is what you're asking it should be. And I think for the last few years we've done your taxes, it's basically been within a hundred dollars by the oh, time yeah. we filed taxes, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. we've done good. Yeah. So, yeah. yep. It's, it, that's, that's an, a great way to do it as well, especially if, if, if they're like you and, and they don't want that big tax bill, they mm-hmm. want to know exactly what they're going to owe. 
And the key there is you have to have the resources to do it. You have to have the bookkeeping in place. You have yeah. to know what your income is. And preferably, you, you got to be working with someone that can tell you, okay, based on those numbers, this is what you're going to owe. Yeah. You know, and I think I, the reason, the how I learned that was probably going back, I'm going to say probably about eight or 10 years ago when I had a really good year and I didn't do what you said. <laughs> I wasn't working with you, but I didn't do what you said. And I sat down with my accountant and they're like, uh, are you sitting down? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, because you owe 20 grand. <laughs> and I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, how did we not know that? But I was so, I had such a good year that one year that it just blew everything out of the water and I had no idea. Uh, and then after that year, I really started to be, you know, conscious of like every single quarter knowing where my numbers were. Um, so right. I, I learned my lesson, you know, and luckily I had enough money and savings to actually do that. But if I didn't, it, it sucked though, Josh, because I'm yeah. like, here I'm thinking <laughs> I'm 20 grand ahead. And then all of a sudden now I'm even again. And I'm like, yep. wow, that that just busted my bubble there. So, you know, here I was on this high and then all of a sudden I was taken down a notch. Um, so that kind of sucked. So don't let that happen to you. Yep, <laughs> know exactly. where you are. Yep, uh, exactly. And, right. that, and that's why I would say be careful with the first method where you're, you're just paying based off last year. That's totally fine to do. Just make sure you're setting additional money ahead aside if you're making more to, to cover that. So I, I, let's, let's just give them a safe estimate here. Sure. You should be setting aside. 25 to 30% of that net income yep. throughout the year. Yep. So if, if, if that covers more than your estimated payments, that's totally fine. Just make sure you're setting it aside so it's ready to go come April. Yep. Yep. Just set it, set, you know, set it aside, forget about it. And that's your, that's your tax money. Yep, um, exactly. So yeah. Okay, cool. All right. What's next? All right. So the next one is, and I know we've talked about this several times, but business entities. Yep. Um, a lot, a lot of misunderstandings here. A lot of stuff being done incorrectly and costing people here. And the, the first thing I want people to understand about business entities, and this is a shocker to most people that are just getting started, even in their second or third year, they, they didn't quite realize it. But your business entity, your business is almost definitely what they call a pass-through entity. Mm -hmm. And what this means is your business does not pay taxes. Mm -hmm. And it just floors people their first year in business. And they say, what do you mean my business doesn't pay taxes? I made $100,000. How can it not pay taxes? Right, right. It's what they call a pass-through entity, meaning it passes through to you, the owner, and you pay the taxes. Okay, so if that business made $100,000 after all of your expenses, if that $100,000 passes through to you, it's reported on your personal income, return, income tax return, and you pay the taxes personally. Okay, so that's a big thing to understand. Your sure. business does not pay the taxes. Mm -hmm. The second thing to understand with that is you are going to be taxed on that full profit regardless of whether you pay, quote unquote, pay yourself or not. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I, I, I get a ton of people that say, uh, my business made $100,000. Don't worry, I won't owe anything. I didn't touch it. Left it all in the bank. <laughs> uh, great, great that you saved money, but unfortunately, you're still going to be taxed on all of that. Yeah. So you're, you're taxed on the profits. It's, it doesn't matter doesn't what matter. you pay yourself. It doesn't yeah. matter. If you make $100,000, you could take it all out. You could take none of it out. You could go anywhere in between. You're still going to be taxed on $100,000. So two, two big things to keep in mind with all three entities we're going to talk about today. They're all passed through. The business doesn't pay taxes. And you're taxed on all the profits regardless. Make gotcha. sense? Yeah, it makes, makes total sense. Yep. Okay. So the three entities I want to talk about that... that almost all Amazon FBA sellers should be considering is a sole, a sole proprietor, or if you have a partner in the business, it'd be a general partnership. Yep. What that, what that means is you don't officially register anything with your state. 
Uh, you don't even necessarily have to form a, uh, a business name or or get an EIN if it's, if it's a sole proprietor. You can just hit the ground running. It can be under your name, your social security number, and you just go. The, the great thing about it is there's no time involved. You don't have to spend the time to set it up. You don't have to spend the money to set it up. Just go. Nothing needs done. And if, if you're just getting started, this, this is a reasonable option. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll talk about why I think the LLC is better in a minute, but there's a lot of people that do it this way and it's, it's totally fine. Nothing, nothing will, it's for tax purposes, it's, it's totally legit. Yeah. And I, I think but, the hi- highlight for tax purposes, it's okay, but I think you're going to talk about the LLC exactly. here and why that's different. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So with the sole proprietor or the general partnership, the thing to keep in mind is you and your business are one in the same. Yeah. Okay. So if someone sues the business, they're technically suing you. Yeah. So that's where people get scared of the sole proprietor. The next step up is the limited liability company or the LLC. And what shocks most people is the LLC for tax purposes works exactly like a sole proprietor or a partnership. It's taxed the exact same way. Um, if it, it, it'll appear the exact same way on your tax return. So a lot of people say, I'm going to form an LLC to get all the tax savings from it. Like, nope, it mm. works the exact same way. Right, right where the LLC comes into play is it potentially offers you that legal protection. It acts as a wall between you and the business. So if a sole proprietor, you and your business are one and the same as an LLC, you have that wall. There's a business, there's a wall and there's you. So in theory, if someone sues the business, they, they, they hit that wall and they can't get to you personally. Now I'm, I'm not an attorney. I know you're not an attorney. Nope. So talk to an attorney. All right. Yeah. This is, this is very general advice when it comes to the legal stuff, mm. but that's that's the general idea is that that LLC acts as a wall between you and your business. Yep. Yep. And I mean, okay. my my attorney, when I when I mentioned that again, I'm not giving legal advice. Josh isn't giving legal advice. Just kind of letting you know what has been said to, to me and I'm, I'm sure you is like it's you know, it's it's something additional to get to you. But if you're the only owner um, that could still tie back to you. Um, that's why it is important to try to keep that stuff separate. Like you had said, like a separate checking account, um, you know, trying to keep that stuff separate. That is the business. Um, and the LLC would be that additional, uh, level of protection to a certain extent. that's where limited liability would come in and kind of all that stuff. But we're not going to talk about that, but okay. So the LLC is really there as a way to separate in a sense you from the business. By that being yep. its own entity, exactly. Yep. So you're gonna you're gonna pick a name for the business. Yep. You're gonna get an EIN number for the business, which just it's it's like a social security number for your business, and it's completely separate from you. Cool. And you, what you mentioned is totally true. If you're gonna go this route, you goes back to having separate finances. If you get an LLC and you're still commingling your business and personal finances, you might as well throw your LLC out because yeah. it's worthless at that point. Yep. So okay. So make sure you're doing that. The next step up and where we can start to see some tax differences is the S corporation. Mm-hmm. And all right, so now I want to dive into something called self-employment tax, which we didn't mention with the other two. Mm. We talked about how that $100,000 of profit is going to be taxed whether you touch it or not, right? Yep. It's all going to be hit with your ordinary taxes, just like if you had a W-2 for $100,000, you pay all the ordinary taxes on it. Where the income from business is different is it in addition to that ordinary tax, you're going to get hit with what they call self-employment tax, which is an additional 15.3% tax. Mm-hmm. Okay, so $100,000, it all passes through to you. It all gets hit with your ordinary taxes, and then it goes around for round two and gets hit with self-employment taxes, <laughs> another 15.3%. So Love it. do yeah. quick math, $15,000 additional out, out of the pocket. Yep. And also, all self-employment tax is, is Medicare and Social Security tax. So if you've had a job or you currently have a job, you remember those tax, those pay stubs where you see the Social Security and Medicare tax coming out, 
you're paying about 7.6% in that. What you probably didn't realize was your employer was matching another 7.6% on that. Now that you're self-employed, you're both the employee and the employer, and you're paying both ends of that, which comes out to 15.3%. If you've, if you've been doing your own taxes and you say, well, I've never paid that, you probably just didn't realize it because it just gets in, added into one lump sum in the amount due. They don't come out and say, okay, you owe this for this tax and this for this tax. It's just you owe this. Right. Okay. So it's, it's a huge tax and it's, it, it'll crush you. Okay. Right. right. What the S corporation does, it's, it's an S corporation is very similar to the LLC, right? It, it has that wall of protection between you and the business. It's still a pass through entity. That hundred thousand dollars still gets hit with ordinary taxes, but it doesn't come back around for round two on that self-employment tax. It has zero self-employment tax. Okay. So hundred thousand dollars, you do the math, you just saved $15,300 in taxes. Mm-hmm. Not, sounds great, right? And that's no, per sounds, year. Sounds amazing. Yep. But, <laughs> but the IRS does not like you to save $15,000 per year in taxes. So what the IRS came back and said was, okay, fine. You can become an S corporation. That $100,000 won't get hit with 15.3% taxes. But we're going to require you to, to take a salary as an employee of your business. And the reason we're going to do that is because on that salary, you're going to get hit with Social Security and Medicare taxes, which is, guess what, 15.3%. Gotcha. So that's where they make it up. Yep. So where does the tax savings come in? If they're making you take that salary, why, what's the point? How do you even save taxes? Yeah. Good if question. You, <laughs> yep. So that comes from getting your, your salary to the, the right spot. What the IRS says is that you have to take a reasonable salary. Mm-hmm. And like typical IRS, they don't give very clear guidelines on what that is, but there's a few standards we use. The num- number one, that the, the best way to do it, if it's possible, is to look at it and say, what would I have to pay someone to replace me in the business? Mm. Okay. And I know Amazon FBA, you're running an Amazon FBA business. There's, there's not exactly, you can't go to monster.com and, and look at job postings for running an Amazon FBA business to see what they're paying. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. So you got, it, it's going to come with some guesswork here. You got to look at it and say, okay, this is what I do daily. This is how many hours I work. If I had to hire someone to, to take this over for me, what would I pay them? Mm. Uh, so do your best guess there. If, if you're still struggling or you want some extra things to look at, we'll go on a percentage of net income. And the, the, the standard we use is somewhere between 25 and 40% of net income. Okay. The higher, the higher the income is, the lower that percentage can be. Okay. So we look at $100,000. We might put that somewhere around $35,000, $36,000, or so gotcha. in, in salary. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say you made the hundred thousand dollars. We decide in your case a reasonable salary is forty thousand. Right. Where the tax savings come is that difference between your net income and your salary. So one hundred thousand dollars profit, forty thousand dollars salary, sixty thousand dollars difference between the two that is not getting hit with the fifteen point three percent tax. Yeah, yeah. That that's that that's a big one right there. And just I I know we just kind of threw a lot of different scenarios there. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna try to explain kind of my interpretation of it. So. Just imagine you just made $100,000 in your business, okay, and you have, you know, a payroll set that you're going to get paid $40,000. That money is going to be basically deposited into, you know, your account as as an employee. You're going to get taxed normal on that $40,000, you know, as you would because that's your income. The other 60 now is not going to get hit with that tax now because it's the business and the business is separate. So because of that, that's where that savings comes in. So technically, instead of paying, uh, if I was a sole proprietor, I'd pay it on the entire hundred. But if I'm an S corp, I'm only going to pay for what the salary was to me. The other in the business is only going to get taxed on the business. 
Is that right. correct? Yeah. So it, basically, yeah. So it, it's still taxed to you personally, but it's it's tax. It's only taxed with the ordinary taxes. Exactly. It's not getting hit with the self-employment tax. Exactly. So d- don't think of it as tax-free. You're not getting no, tax-free no, on no. the $60,000. Yeah. Yeah. you are still paying ordinary, but you're saving 15% roughly on $60,000. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So, and that, it, makes, it makes total sense. We're just, we're yep. just kind of, but now the question would be this. Yeah, but the government kind of knows that stuff. I mean, like, so, I mean, you know, is this legit? Like, you know, is this, but the thing is, is do you really believe that $40,000 is enough to pay someone that, you know, that's really what it comes down to. Now, if you're saying to yourself, oh, cool, guess what, Josh, I'm going to only pay someone $10,000 and $90,000 isn't going to get hit. Now we're, now we're going the other way. Now we are trying to kind of manipulate this thing and kind of trying to, tax, you know, build a tax shelter of some kind. Like we're talking about like doing it legit, you know, like what would it, what would it cost you? And, and, and from there the government is, you know, the IRS is going to say, listen, that's, that's reasonable. That's what it would be. Right. I mean, that's, that's normal. Exactly. You know, Um, so you mentioned if you make more than that, you can maybe reduce that. And I think with what you mean is if you brought in a million dollars in, in net income, that doesn't mean that you have to take 40% of that because that's what it would cost to pay someone that, that there, that number would probably decrease a little bit because if you're in a million dollar business, that doesn't mean that that person's going to make $400,000 necessarily. Um, so maybe walk us through that really quickly, just the mind, you know, the mindset on that. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So it, the the key is to think about what you would have to pay someone else. And that's why I don't like to go strictly off the the percentage scale. Yeah. Because a million dollar business is it's probably not going to put it this way. You, you can scale your business so that you're doing less work and making more money. Right. Mm-hmm. So if the goal is you what you would have to pay someone to replace you just because you made a million dollars instead of one hundred thousand dollars doesn't mean that the pay to replace you went up the equal amount, right? Mm. Because you could be doing the same amount of work or slightly more work. So the cost to replace you isn't going to go up near as much. Mm. So that's where you make a million dollars, 25% could be perfectly reasonable. It could even be less than that. Mm. I mean, I, I, I've legitimately had a business that all they did was create a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So they recorded podcasts. They they interviewed people one day a week. Mm-hmm. They paid someone else to edit it, all that stuff. So literally their work week was basically one day a week, a little bit here and there. He made $3 million a, one year with that. And I think we did his reasonable salary at somewhere like $125,000 mm-hmm. because he could easily replace his work for $125,000. Mm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So uh, let me ask you this though, really quickly, a little side thing here. Um, what about like, okay, so like if I hire a virtual assistant to help me in my business, I might not pay them like normally, like, you know, like you would pay someone if it was, an, it was a direct employee. They're not technically an employee. So are they just a line item? Are they just an expense in my business? Yeah, exactly. So you would, you can either call it uh, contractors, you could, you could call it virtual assistants, but they, they don't, you don't have to pay any taxes with them. Like you don't have to withhold, withhold taxes like you would an employee. You literally just pay them possibly issue them a 1099 at the end of the year and then record it on your tax return as contractor fees or, or virtual assistant fees. Okay, cool. Cause I, I get that question a lot. Uh, so yeah. Okay. So that, that makes total sense because they're like a general contractor in a sense to where they're their own business. They're, you're just hiring them for the service that they're going to do. So if they're going to do transcripts for your podcast, that's what they would do. That's what you pay them for done. End of story. You don't have to worry about, you know, all employment tax and all that stuff. Um, exactly. And that's why I, I do like personally working with virtual assistants and you know general contractors, because it just gets rid of all those other headaches of having uh, employees, which, you know, we may get to the point of employees at some point. 
But at that, what's the, I guess, what's the, what's the, I guess the, the tough part of having those employees, how does that complicate things on, yep. or in taxes? Yep. So a, a safe estimate is if, if you have a contractor and you're going to make them an employee plan to increase the costs of what you already pay them by 10 to 12%. Okay. Because you're going to have to start withholding you. First of all, you're going to be responsible for half of their social security and Medicare tax, which mm-hmm. is 7.6%. Mm-hmm. You're going to be responsible for unemployment tax and you're going to have to take out workers comp on them. Okay. Plus you're going to have to hire a payroll company mm-hmm. to, 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 pay, to do all the withholdings and all that. So, okay. And a, a safe estimate is I'd even expand it 10 to 15 percent, depending mm-hmm. on, on what you're paying them. OK, so if, if you're paying them ten thousand dollars a year, you, you can add another thousand to that. That's mm-hmm. not bad. But once you get those higher yeah. levels, you're yeah. paying people, then it then it gets tricky. Yeah. And then there's time because you got to get all of this set up. Mm-hmm. You're going to be ca- getting constant notifications from the state saying, oh, we need this from you. Uh, this this payroll tax report was filed incorrectly. You have to contact your payroll company. So it is it, it'll be a little bit of a headache. Now, having said that, there if if you have an employee that is an employee and not a contractor, don't try to get away with calling them a contractor. Right, right. That's right. that's a major major issue. So, make sure. And I guess we'll we'll talk about the difference here. It's it comes down to control, almost yeah. entirely down to control. If it's a situation where you are saying, okay, you work where you want, you work when you want, and you work how you want, use your own equipment, all that. All I need you to do is get this podcast transcribed by next Friday. Yep. That, that's probably a contractor, yep. right? You have no control over anything except telling them what tasks to do. Mm-hmm. If on the other hand, you're saying, all right, I need you to work from nine to five. Uh, this is how we do it. This is the equipment we use. Now you're in a situation where you're controlling their day-to-day work and there's a good chance they're an employee. Yeah, yeah, um, no, that's good. That's and, a good point. And just being virtual doesn't necessarily mean they're not an employee. That's 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 kind of been what states have been going after lately, saying people assume just because they're virtual, they're they're not employees. It still comes down to that control. Even if they're working from their home office, mm. if you're still saying, look, I need you from nine to five and this is how we do it, it there's a good chance as an employee. And one other big standard there they look at is, are you allowing them to do the same work for other people? Because mm. the contractors typically can, whereas employees can't. So if you're saying, like, look, you can't, transcribe podcast for me, but I don't want you doing this for anybody else. Right. That's, right. That's my competition that now you're possibly looking at an employee arrangement. Yeah. That's that. Those are good points. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, everyone that I have is literally on their own time and it's yep. basically, I just need the job done. Like we just need this done and I just need it done by the end of the week, uh, kind of thing. And, and it's usually one or two, ta- you know, different tasks could be a graphic designer, could be, you know, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, just keep that in mind. Um, I think also I just want to highlight it's kind of like what you've been saying all along here is just do it above board. Like don't try to, you know, do something to, you know, not have to pay taxes, uh, you know, necessarily. I mean, obviously you want to take everything that's coming to you, but you don't necessarily want to do this just to make it look like you're trying to get around the system. Like just be above board. If you're hiring a virtual assistant, then fine. But if you're having an employee, but then you want to call them it, that doesn't make sense. And you're going to get you, you could you could potentially get in trouble for that. So we don't want you to get in trouble. That's the that's the main thing. Yep, exactly. Cool. Do it by the book. I mean, you, it, there's there's a difference between getting creative and breaking law. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I yeah, totally. I mean, even even with the you know the S corp, it's like you know yep. 
you could you could do exactly you know what we're talking about here, but you could do it wrong. You know what I mean? Like you yep. could you could totally do it wrong. Like and like I said, where you're not even going to show any money. You're like, oh, I'm just going to show no money made this year. Uh, no, yep. you and can't. People do that. Yeah. yeah, and that's where you can get in trouble. So again, guys, we're not legal advisors or attorneys or anything like that, but just uh, just having this conversation because I think it's important for you to hear um, the ins and outs of of what people are doing right and what people are doing wrong, and that would be a wrong one. Um, okay, what else we want to discuss here before we wrap up here, Josh? Should we hit sales tax real quick? Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. I, okay. We should have allowed another hour for that. Uh, <laughs> no. Let's uh, let's just go ahead and uh, yeah, definitely talk about sales tax. I know when you first even got into working with private labelers and e-com businesses and stuff, it was a little bit of like a whole nother thing that you were kind of dealing with, and you're like, wow, this is this is kind of uh, complicated in a sense. Um, yep. But maybe since you've been now doing it and actually learning more about it as you're working with with sellers, you can kind of give us a little bit of an update on that. Yeah. So basically, sales tax is taxes that the states charge on physical. Normally, it's physical products. Some yep. states have digital. We don't have to worry about that right now. But it's physical products. And the states say, OK, every time you sell that, we need you to collect X percent from the customer and then pay that to us. Mm-hmm. OK, so it's not a tax you're paying. It's a tax you're collecting in addition to the sales price from the customer and you're paying to the state. For most businesses, this is pretty clear cut because they say you only have to collect it in states you have a physical presence, Mm. meaning where your business is located, where your employees are located, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Most people, that's that's one state. It's where you are, right? So if if you have a store in New York, anytime you have sales to someone in New York, you collect and pay that sales tax. If your store in New York sells something online to someone in California, you do not have to collect sales tax for California or for New York, okay? So it's, it's pretty cut and dry there. It's where you're located and it's only on sales to other people located in that state. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Okay. So where FBA gets fun is <laughs> if Amazon stores your inventory in, and I think I read recently, it's up to 22 different states yeah, now. They're expanding. Yeah, they're expanding yep. all the time. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So 22 different states that Amazon can store your inventory in Yep. when you're Amazon FBA. The states consider storing inventory in their state a physical presence. Mm. So now you potentially open yourself up to a physical presence in 22 different states, plus your state if it's not one of them. Okay, so the, the question is, do you need to be collecting and paying sales tax in all 22 states that you potentially have inventory? It's mm. a big question. And it's, it's, it's a question that a lot of CPAs, a lot of attorneys, a lot of ta- sales tax professionals are debating right now. And so far, there is I have not seen a clear cut answer. I mean, I, I know you you talk with tax a lot. Yep. I, I don't think they have come out with a conclude a definitive yes or no at this point, right? No, no. So I, I don't think anybody's willing to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to say, exactly. I don't think anybody's willing. Uh, actually, it was funny. We were on a, a call the other day uh, with a few uh, ecom guys, and we were doing a little roundtable, and this question came up. Someone in, in the uh, in the uh, audience had asked the question, and everyone, including myself, was like you know, you, you kind of have to do what you feel is right. Right. And I mean, the number one thing that I would say is if you are not filing in your own state, that would be where you'd start. Like your own state is a must. Um, the second part of that is, and this is again, listening to tax jar and interviewing those guys and, and knowing, knowing a little bit more, it's kind of like, you know, in the, in the beginning, you kind of have to see where you're sending inventory. You don't even know 
where that is, right? So using TaxJar, that allows you to see where your inventory is being shipped from and all that stuff. Then it might be, okay, we're gonna start with the states that I'm selling or that I'm selling from or that they're, they're shipping from. And then you can work yourself to where you can eventually be in um, most or all of the states that you have inventory in. Um, that was the advice that was kind of given to me and um, that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, but again, I think you just have to understand that there's not really a yes or a no or this is exactly... Uh, what you have to do. I, I mean, I just think it could be so much simpler if all this, if <laughs> if, if, the, if the government would, would step in and say, listen, there's going to be one hub and, and basically everyone is going to, you know, if you want to, if the state wants you to send in money, then you're going to, you're going to be basically connected in that hub. And then everyone basically connected to the same hub. The problem is, is when you go to California, it's completely different than if you go to, I don't know, South Carolina or whatever, right? There's like, it's just totally different and confusing and painful. And then that's why people don't do it. Yep, and, exactly. And, you know what I mean? So, okay, go ahead. I just ranted so, there a little bit. No, that's, that's it. And that's my, the exact advice we're telling clients right now. Like if it, number one, if you're not doing your home state already, that's, that's a must. That's you number have one. to yeah. be collecting yeah. and paying for your home state. Yeah. Number two is to start to look at where your inventory is stored and what your sales are like in those states. Mm. Once, once you're starting to see that you have inventory in the state that's getting significant sales, then you want to start looking at registering in that state. So yeah. the two big ones we're seeing with people right now is Texas and California, right? Mm -hmm. they, they say, okay, I have a ton of sales in California. Maybe I need to look at registering and paying in California. Mm -hmm. Starting to get a ton of states and uh, sales in Texas. Now I need to start looking in at, at doing that in Texas. And if you're sitting there at home saying, oh my God, I'm going to have to sit there and figure out who's paying in Texas, who's in California. That part's actually fairly simple when you use mm. something like TaxJar. Yeah. Because they're going to link right up with your Amazon account. They're going to tell you exactly where your inventory is and exactly how many sales you had to those states. So, yeah. th so that part's simple. Yeah, it is simple. Um, and the thing is, is you may register in your own state and you might not be selling product through your own state. You know what I mean? Like you, I like, like I know for me, I'm in South Carolina and a lot of my sales don't come. Like I don't sell a lot to, to people that are in South Carolina, but I might sell a lot in Texas. Yeah, well, exactly. then that that's, I mean, so I'm, but I'm definitely going to still in my own state, you have to do that. But then from there, the next one might be Texas and then the next one might be Pennsylvania. Like, so there's just, there's, um, yeah, it's, uh, you can just keep going on and on and on <laughs> with, with, uh, what's right, what's wrong. But I would say definitely check out tax jar. Um, definitely check out the, uh, because then at least you'll have an idea of where the inventory is coming from. And I think their advice too, even when I had them on the show was like, you know, in the beginning, don't stress about that. Just get moving. And then once you start to have some some sales, um, so it, you know, especially if it's not just like, you know, you have like 15 sales, we're talking like, you know, a few hundred or a thousand sales, then you're going to really start to be able to dial that in. Yeah, exactly. I, and that's a good point. I, I would say don't don't think you're going to start selling on Amazon and go rush out and, and register in 22 different states. I actually had a client last tax season that did that and it actually created a bigger mess because then we went to set up entities with them and it's like, oh, well, in this state I registered as this and in this state I registered mm. as this. So register in your home state, get that set up, then slowly let's work our way out here and and, and go to these other states. Yeah, cool. All right. Um, yeah. Again, I mean, sales tax is just one of those, like, I think that no one really wants to give advice uh, just because no one really knows um, and no one wants to be on the hook. Uh, but uh, I think it could be a lot easier if the government would step in and just all the states would, would you know, kind of have the same guidelines on them. Like, hey, if you want, you know, e-com sellers to, to basically file uh, sales tax, you need to conform to this or you need to register your state here and then you'll be in the hub. 
just seems yep. like so simple. <laughs> if, if we're waiting on the government to be reasonable to get something done, then we're going to be waiting on a while. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's wrap this up. Um, I know you and I had talked for a while because the sales tax thing and the bookkeeping and all that stuff has been really just, a, you know, an issue for sellers that just don't want to deal with it. And I had said to you, I said, man, if you could come up with something, I think that people would really be interested in that because it takes all of that, all of that work off of their plate and then just having someone like you or, you know, your, uh, you know, your services be able to, to really take care of that. And I think right now you're kind of in like a little beta right now where yep. you're, you're, you're setting up, you actually have a, a, a team in place that's willing and able to kind of go through this. So maybe you can talk about what you have available now. And I know it's going to be for only like 10 people at this point, because we're, we're still going to kind of see how everything goes going through this, but maybe you can talk about that a little bit, Josh. Yeah, exactly. So you've been, I know you've been pushing me for a while. Like, man, you got to come up with something that does this for people. They need it so yeah. bad. Yeah. So we, we, and the key was we had to build a team that could do it. And I that think was we're finally thing. there. Yeah. And what it's going to do is going to be a complete full service package for Amazon sellers. We are going to cover their bookkeeping. So you never have to touch it. We are going to cover all of your taxes, meaning we'll file your year end taxes. We will, if you need to do estimated payments, we'll help you take care of those. Everything income tax related we're going to do for you. We're going to make sure you're in the proper entity. If you're not, we'll get that set up for you. Um, if you need to do a salary as part of the S corp, we're going to take care of that for you. And the big thing is we're going to handle your sales tax for you. So we'll figure out, yep, (laughs) we'll figure out where you need to be registered. If you're not already registered, we'll register for you. And we're going to make sure that those are being paid monthly, quarterly, whatever they need to be done. So it's it's a true, you'll, you basically do not have to worry about your bookkeeping and taxes all year long, other than answering a few questions from us here and there. It's complete full service package. As you said, we are going to start this with just 10 clients to make sure that, that we like it, that they like it. I I know they're going to like it. It's going to be an awesome package. We just want to make sure it's a smooth process. Um, for these first 10 people, we're going to open up strictly to amazing seller listeners to start with. Since since you're the one that pushed me for it, I think that's only fair, right? Yeah. 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 So, So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be really good. I mean, why not focus on what you do best? Focus on what you do to make money. Mm. Hand off the rest to someone else. Yeah, no, and I, I want to just say, like, um, you know, a lot of people had reached out to me and said, is there a full service? Is there, you know, a sales tax thing? Is there a bookkeeping thing? And really, there's not. Like, not that I know of anyway. So that's why I've been kind of, like Josh was saying, like in the background, just being like, man, if you can make this happen, I think that there'd be a huge demand for it. And I think it would be helping a lot of people. Um, But again, you know, he wants to make sure that it's going to be seamless and that there's going to be some bumps here and there. And he wants to iron them out before he opens it up to more than just 10. So again, if you guys are interested, um, just head over to cpaonfire.com and uh, you'll have a little form there. I'm sure that they can email you. If they email you, Josh, what do you want to just put in in the title? Maybe just uh, full service? Yep. Let's put full service. Either put it in the title, put it in the subject. Say Say you heard us on The Amazing Seller call it full service. They can email me directly even better. Josh at cpmfire.com. Put full service in the subject. Okay, cool. And then if you're listening to this after the fact and you're like, oh, there's probably no spots available by then there may be, or you'll be on a wait list. So exactly. just go ahead and, and go there and then um, just submit it to Josh. And then what Josh will do at that point after the 10 spots are filled, um, probably just end up creating a little wait list. And then from there, uh, you know, he can let, you know, let everyone know when a spot opens up um, from there. So 
I definitely would take advantage of it if you're at that point where you're just like, you know what, I don't want to touch any of that stuff. Um, definitely go check it out and um, and just email Josh and he can even give you some some feedback and say, I don't think you're there yet. Maybe you want to wait a little bit, you know, until you get to this point. Um, because obviously he wants it to be a win-win for everyone. So, um, Josh, any last little bits of uh, of advice or tips before we jump off here today? Uh, I'd say the thing to take away today, if you don't already have the separate accounts, go do that today. That's non-negotiable. Have to get that done. Yeah. Also, as soon as possible, go sign up for that, that accounting software, whichever one you want to go with. And then just start looking at the other stuff. Am I in the proper entity? Um, how am I handling sales tax? It all needs to be done. Um, I mean, if, if, if you've been doing it wrong, don't don't stress about it. Just get it started today. It, it can always be done right starting today. Absolutely. All right, man. Josh, as always, it's it's fun talking and kind of going through this stuff. I'm sure we'll have you back on, do another little update. And, uh, you know, I know that you kind of have your your, uh, you know, your ear to the ground as far as like, you know, all of this tax stuff and all that stuff that we don't like to even deal with. So uh, I'm sure I'll be reaching back out to you and, uh, and picking your brain. So we'll definitely get you back on, but I just want to say thank you. I appreciate it. I know TAS appreciates you and, uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch soon, brother. It's always great to be on. Thanks for having me. You got it, man. Okay. So there you have it. Another great conversation. A lot of insight there, and I know it was a lot to take in. That's why you're probably going to want to bookmark this one. You'll probably want to download the show notes, and uh, they can be found again at theamazingseller.com forward slash 384. Man, I'll I'll tell you, I mean, Josh is just so knowledgeable about all this, and he's learning all the time about how taxes apply to this type of business, right, the e-commerce space. And I think it's interesting because... You know, I've reached out to a lot of different accountants or even just people in this business in general, and there's not really anybody that you can go to that knows all the ins and outs of this business. And Josh, as you heard, is learning more and more as he works with sellers. And that's why I love to have him come on every now and then and kind of give us an update. And I hope that you took some uh, some big takeaways from this episode. And I know one of the biggest takeaways, and that's what Josh really said, was keeping track of your expenses. And, you know, I've talked about using the free tool Wave Apps. If that's what you want to start with, go for it. I did. But now that Fetcher is here, I would say that's where I would start. Not to mention, you can do it for 30 days for free. And then after that, it's really, really affordable compared to any of the other software tools out there. So that's probably where I would start. Again, guys, my link to that, my affiliate link is, by the way, is theamazingseller.com forward slash Fetcher, and you guys know that I'm, a, I'm affiliated with Greg as far as that particular product, but I believe in it. I know him, I know his team, and I know it's a great product. And also, they offer us, you know, this cool little 30 day trial. So just go check it out if you're at all interested, especially if you are already getting sales. You're gonna wanna see those numbers, and then you can just hand it off to your accountant, and make your life a lot easier. So that's pretty much gonna wrap up this episode. I know it's not that sexy of an episode when it comes to taxes, right, or sales tax, or any of that stuff. We hate it. I know I do, but it's something we have to deal with, but if we can get ourselves set up, it can make life a ton, a ton easier, and that's why I like to do these every now and then to really allow us to all learn together and make it easier in the process as far as running our own business. So, That is officially going to wrap this episode up. I want to remind you guys, as always, I'm here for you. I believe in you and I am rooting for you, but you have to, you have to. Come on, say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, and I'll see you right back here on the next episode. 